Hello and welcome back to the Guildhall School Events Podcast. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, Professor Barry Ife, who's the principal of the Guildhall School. And we're going to be discussing our upcoming celebration of the life and work of Spanish pianist and composer Enrique Granados, dramatically entitled Love and Death, El Amor y la Muerte. Barry, many thanks for joining us today and welcome to the podcast. Ah, great pleasure. So this year marks the centenary of Granados' death yeah. in uh, 1916. And on the 26th of October of this year, we're holding three special concerts to celebrate his life and work. And we're being supported by a few partners, um, the Instituto Cervantes in London, the British Spanish Society, the Spanish Song and Zazuela Festival, and the Embassy of Spain Office for Cultural and Scientific Affairs. So That's right. Very good partners to have yeah. on this kind of venture. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us, first of all, a little bit about Granados himself and how the idea for the, the celebration of his work came about? Well, the uh, taking it in the opposite order, the, okay. ob the obvious reason for the celebration is, as you is said, it, uh, this year is the centenary of his death. Mm. And um, his death was a particularly tragic one because um, he was only 49 when he died and he was on the way home from New York where he'd been for the premiere of his opera Goyescas. And um, he was, um, his, his return journey was interrupted uh, by an invitation from President Wilson to go and play a piano recital at the White House, oh. which he did. He missed his sailing, hmm. and that meant that he had to make a stopover in, in England. And um, when he was on the Channel Ferry, the Sussex, uh, going, to, going across to France, uh, uh, the Sussex was torpedoed by a German U-boat, and he and his wife were were both killed, were both both drowned. Mm. So it was a particularly sad end because he was the first substantive uh, Spanish composer to be invited to New York, and certainly the first to have one of his operas um, performed at the Met. Mm. So he was on the cusp, really, of establishing himself as a composer of of international reputation, uh, not just a Spanish reputation. So that's that's the reason why we're celebrating his life and work this year. Granados, I think, is still regarded as something of a second order, I wouldn't say second rate, but second order composer, even in Spain, because in some ways he suffered from being part of a very, uh, very talented generation mm. of Spanish composers and pianists, particularly pianists. Spain was very, very rich in outstanding uh, pianists in the first decade of the 20th century. I mean, not just Granados himself, who was a considerable pianist, there was Albéniz, and professional pianists like Joaquín Malatz and Ricardo Viñez, who right. had international reputation. So it, it was something of a golden age. And he was also part of a, a generation called the Generation of 1898, which was intellectuals and artists who were responding to the fact that in 1898, Spain lost its last colony in Cuba. And uh, the nation went into a sort of paroxysm of self-doubt and largely driven from the fact that you know, 250 years earlier, the sun never set on the Spanish Empire, yeah, yeah. and in 250 years, the whole empire, lock, stock and barrel, had evaporated. So uh, this, this pr pr uh, produced a, a reaction in uh, Spanish intellectuals in particular, uh, and a focus on nationalism. So Granados was part of that generation. Uh, he was a pupil alongside 
Albéniz and Manuel de Falla, all three of them were pupils of a very, very intele- uh, influential figure called Felipe Pedrel, uh, who was the doyen of sp- Spanish musical studies yeah, okay. in the second half of the 19th century and promoted Spanish music from a kind of nationalistic point of view. Mm. So that was a, a rather a rich mix for, for Granados to be part of. Mm. And I think to some extent he slightly struggled, you know, to make his own personality and his own name made in that in that group but but nevertheless i mean he's a very very interesting composer um and he produced some very substantial works that um you know are, are universally played mm. today i mean obviously goyescas and the tornadillas are the kind of high points of his of his output but there's a lot of other stuff as well and um there's a lot of unpublished work that oh, really? um, yes I often wonder why he didn't publish more. Uh, a lot of it's unfinished, although I obviously I don't know Granados myself, but I sort of feel that I know him. <laughs> I think actually he was quite an indolent fellow, actually. <laughs> he, um, I don't think he needed an income, as it were, so I he see. was a little bit of an occasional pianist as far as, uh, as performance was concerned. Uh, I don't know whether it was whether vanity or accident, but he uh, there are a lot of images of... Granados survived a lot of photographs he photographed very well he was very photogenic and he had his photograph taken it seems like every day (laughs) (laughs) and he is incredibly languid in his looks he has this fantastic flowing moustache that is one of his one of his one of his uh, uh, main selling points and um, I get the impression that he was he was a composer, you know, who, who, well, he played the piano if he felt like it and he composed if he felt like it and he left a load of stuff unfinished and couldn't really be bothered, you know, to make, uh, you know, to promote himself yeah. uh, in the way that one might have expected. So I, I, I may have made all of that up, but that's the impression, <laughs> <laughs> that's the impression I get uh, from what I know about him. And, and his playing is, is very, very fluid. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, you have to hear it really to believe. Mm just how loose his playing can, could be. So I have this you know, impression, as I say, of somebody who's incredibly laid back and can't really be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you mentioned he was part of this group of, of, yeah, of intellectuals, of, of intellectuals and, 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 artists, and, and yeah. artists and composers mm. and pianists mm. all around the same time. Mm. Obviously, he, well, he, he performed his opera in, in the States and was invited by, by President mm. Wilson. Was he as appreciated in his lifetime as he, as he could have been or has, there, has appreciation of his work kind yeah. of grown since in the last hundred years? No, I or? think that probably the appreciation of his work is more or less as it was, as it in, was in, in his lifetime. Um, he, uh, I, I think if he'd lived in probably another, you know, 10 or 20 years mm-hmm. and had actually sort of got down, done some work, <laughs> <laughs> he might actually have made something of himself. His, uh, some of his uh, stage works were reasonably well um, received in mm-hmm. Spain but actually the the taste in Spain was for mainstream I mean Wagner was the great thing oh, right, around okay. the turn <laughs> of the century and um, although there was a, a, this strong tradition of Farfella which was a popular operetta type mm. uh, work uh, which he more closely as- aligned himself with uh, you know that was that was nice and people liked to go to the Farfella or, or they you know they liked to support uh, their own 
you know, national composers or right. to, to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. But actually, they thought that Wagner was a serious <laughs> composer. <laughs> so I think, you know, the as I say, the, the appreciation that he gained in his own lifetime is pretty much the way that he's rated now. You know, okay. an, interesting, an interesting figure, produced some good, uh, substantial work, but is very much in the kind of second rank of, okay. of uh, even Spanish composers. I think. Okay. And so this, um, well, this series of concerts that we're holding on the, the 26th of October, they've been devised and we've performed by pianists uh, Meite Aguirre, who's mm. a Guildhall alumna, mm. and Ricardo Gosalbo, who's a Spanish mm. music vocal coach here at mm. the Guildhall School as well. And there'll also be Guildhall singers mm. involved. Uh, what was the process to pull together this collaboration between the, the partners I mentioned earlier? And, yeah. Well, um, um, <clears throat> I've done one or two of these things before. Right. Uh, we did uh, an Albanian festival, if you want to call it that, sort of a one-day festival mm-hmm. focusing on Albanian um, uh, a few years ago. And then uh, soon after I came here, we took part in a Scarlatti marathon um, where all 555 of Scarlatti's sonatas were played across the world in one day. So so starting in New Zealand and then ending on the uh, west coast of the United States. And that was great fun because these kinds of events give a lot of people an opportunity to take part. Yeah. Um, And uh, Ronan O'Hara, head of keyboard, does a lot of these sort of um, group works or teamwork um, projects, mm. particularly for postgraduate pianists, pieces like Albania Siberia, which has 12 movements, uh, Goyescas, which has six movements. They're an ideal opportunity to put together a team of pianists who mm. can produce the piece, but uh, you know, all take turns really to play a movement. And um, I, I think it's a wonderful thing. So basically we built the day around that concept and, right. and actually i mean i think if you total if you tot up all the performers there there are certainly 30 at least 30 yeah, people there's a, taking there's taking part substantial list, yeah. and we're doing the tonadillas twice uh, for particularly that reason so that uh, as many as many singers as is reasonable you know get a chance to to take part so that's the that's the thinking behind mm. it, really. And um, Ricardo has done quite a bit uh, on Spanish song in the school over the last few years. So he was the obvious go-to person yeah. to get that underway. And Maite, Maite Aguirre's, uh, she left here, I suppose, about three or four years ago. Mm. Uh, but she's a very fine pianist and a very fine accompanist. Uh, she was she was, I think, on the pack course when she was she was here, yeah, right. kind of accompaniment course. She's a very um, bright and sparkly personality and uh, was very keen to take part. So she's organised, well, she's playing quite a bit herself mm, and yeah. she's organised the chamber music part. And uh, Ronan has asked uh, Sophia D, one of our postgraduate pianists, to organise the Goyescas part of the yeah. performance. So basically, you know, I've parceled out the work <laughs> to uh, various other people and, and um, you know, a lot of the, uh, people are taking part. And all I'm doing really is as I'm doing the, the visuals because we're going to be featuring Goya quite a lot, obviously. Of course, yeah. And as much as much uh, as I can get my hands on of appropriate quality of supporting materials. And um, right at the end of the, the day, Granados himself is going to play the final piece in the last concert, uh, which he recorded in 1916, which is the... Oh, seventh wow. piece in the Goyescas. Uh, Goyescas is six pieces plus one, if you like, El Pelele, and, and Granados is going to play that himself. Oh, wow. Um, so that's 
that accounts for the guest appearance of the <laughs> composer at the end of the, the day, kind of, um, you know, from, as it were, from beyond the grave. But it'll be interesting, actually, because, um, uh, he, as I said earlier, his, his, his playing style is very, very loose. He mm. pulls the rhythm about something rotten. And I said to my wife, and I was playing this through re recently, I said, there's no way he'd get into the piano department at Guildhall. <laughs> He's just not, <laughs> you know, can't play in time. You know? But it is... Of its time, very much of its time. You know, that's the way people played in those days. Mm. We, we're fortunate in having quite a few recordings from pianists from the early part of the 20th century, Spanish pianists from that period. And uh, they just um, sat down languidly at the piano and kind of you know, let it flow. <laughs> Very expressive way of <laughs> exactly expressive approach to, yes. to composition. But I've told Sophia, you know, that our pianists are not to play like that. <laughs> <laughs> they won't get many marks in their exams if they do. So languid is not how you describe the, the upcoming concerts at the no, 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 no. I don't think uh, 21st century audiences are ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> and so you've mentioned already uh, a few parts of the, the programme and the repertoire that are going to mm. be played over the, the three concerts. What, what can audiences expect? Is there quite a, a distinct feel to each of the three yeah. concerts or do they yeah. all flow together? Or? Yes, I, th I think they uh, they are. The f in the, the first concert at, at one o'clock mm -hmm. is essentially the, tona the, the 12 tonadillas, the 12 songs that he wrote on based on text written by a contemporary of his, um, Enrique Periquet, who kind of reproduces sort of 18th century type uh, popular poetry oh, right. uh, that's kind of written after the event. It, they're not they're not original 18th century texts, mm -hmm. but they're, com they're they've been written in that style. And th 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 those twelve songs will be interspersed with um, some of the Spanish dances that Maite will will play. The second uh, concert uh, features the Canciones Amatorias, the love songs, right. um, as a single group, mm -hmm. um, uh, together with some piano pieces. And then in the last uh, concert of the evening, we're going to start with the Piano Quintet, which is one of his very early works, um, which is a, a lovely piece, a fantastic uh, middle movement. And that's going to be played by Mighty and a group, uh, um, um, a string quartet. Mm. Um, and I think most of the, as I understand it, most of the players in that string quartet are from the Royal Academy of Music, our <laughs> friends up the road. So that'll be uh, a good in inclusive move. And then we will have the tonadillas again mm -hmm. with different singers and in a different order from one o'clock. Uh, and then in the second half, we'll have Goyescas complete with El Pelele to finish the evening. Lovely. And the Goyescas was in, inspired by um, Goya's yeah, paintings. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about how how that inspiration worked? What was it from Goya's yes. work that yes. well, the pieces? Every, every, I was going to say Granados is a great fan of Goya, but everybody's a great fan of mm. Goya, particularly in that generation of 1898, because Goya, you know, was the uh, the great master, mm. not only a you know wonderfully fine painter, but uh, also did a lot of work in 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 print, in in um, etchings and aquatints mm. and so on. And the title page of Goyescas, when it was first published, has one of these um, etchings, one of these Goya etchings from oh, a collection okay. called Caprichos. So uh, Goya is you know, a fantastically kind of encyclopedic painter. So he's got, you know, court portraits. He's got domestic portraits. He's mm. got a lot of pastoral stuff, which are these um, uh, sketches for tapestries, mm. a lot of work for tapestries. 
uh, I mean, my feeling is that, that Granados probably drew more inspiration from collections like the Caprichos, perhaps more than from the bigger pieces that right, we see okay. in, you know, in the Prado. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, though we, I will be using some of those to illustrate some of some of his points. But um, Goya was a great satirist. I mean, he had a very acid, acidic view mm. of uh, his fellow men and women and and the world and politician he was he was quite cynical and and his satire is very very biting and i think some of that comes through in granados's work as well um that's certainly one aspect of goya that i think he responded to very very positively mm. and of course if you like for me the 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 heart of goyescas which is that movement love and death el amor y la muerte yeah is explicitly based on one of the caprichos so i think i think we mustn't we mustn't get too saccharine a view of of Granados's influence from goya mm. um yeah there's a hard-edged um you know bitter uh, side to it as well Granados actually wrote about his appreciation of goya and uh, i've got a little quote here um in english uh he said um i'm Enamoured with the psychology of Goya, with his palette, with him, with his muse, the Duchess of Alba, with his quarrels, with his models, his loves and flatteries. That whitish pink of the cheeks, contrasting with the blend of black velvet, those subterranean creatures, hands of mother of pearl and jasmine, resting on jet trinkets, have possessed me. So I think there you get you know, a, a good sense of all of the factors, all of the things that he responded to in Goya's paintings and his um, and his etchings. Oh, that's lovely. Mm. Thanks very much for, for joining us today, Barry. Mm. The Granados celebrations, Love and Death, El Amor y la Muerte, take place at 1pm, 6pm and 7.30pm on the 26th of October at the Milton Court Concert Hall. Uh, admissions free, so do come along to hear some of the work of this fantastic composer. You can follow us on Twitter at Guildhall School to find out about other upcoming events and see what students and staff at the school are up to. Uh, you can also hear more of our events podcasts on our SoundCloud page, which is soundcloud.com slash School. And you can find us on iTunes and all other good podcasting apps if you like the program. Do rate and review us because it helps other people find the show as well. Um, so thanks again to Professor Barry I for joining us today. And thanks for listening to the Guildhall School events podcast. Mm-hmm.